Sorry. Hey now, it's Brace for Impact, and I'm your host, Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined by the singing sensation himself, J.D. Oliva. How you doing, J.D.? We have the best intro song ever. I freaking I, love dude, it. Yeah, it's great. Um, you know whose intro is really freaking good, and I was kind of jealous of his, just the graphics that they did, because uh, The Observer has some um, some great resources for the for their YouTube channel. It was a the fight game one. Garrett's Garrett's is pretty damn good, I thought too. It is. I'm learning After Effects, so give me some time, and I, we will have a new intro video and some. I like the music. I'm not changing the music. No, no. We're leveling up. We'll level up when yeah, I have time. Up. <laughs> yeah, man, you're you're a you're a busy freaking guy, man. Dude, wrestling season is nuts. Like. I say wrestling season, people on the show are like, oh, you watch wrestling every week. What's the difference? I'm like, no, I mean, like, I'm a, a high school wrestling coach, and this is, like, the busiest time of year. It's just, it's a grind, man. Yeah. I was telling you, we had a JV tournament today at the high school, and then tomorrow we're hosting a two-day dual-team tournament, and we have a morning session and a night session on both days because it's our tournament. We have to be at the whole thing. So for the next 48 hours, I'm just going to be – freaking slammed it's just it's mm. bonkers yeah that's that's tough man but uh hey add that money to your bank account man get get yours get paid maybe one day it'll all pay off and you can just pay off your mortgage that'd be great by being a high school wrestling coach i don't know what <laughs> what kind of crack you're well, on but wrestling yeah. coach wrestling or a high school teacher and all the other things you got going on you got oh yeah you know those, those teachers <laughs> are loaded yeah <laughs> yeah um so hey i, I want to take this time to i wish everybody had a merry christmas i hope uh you and yours had a great christmas so did you guys have fun this weekend uh just doing christmas stuff yeah. family stuff yeah, it was good, man. Andy's at that right age now. He's six, so he, like, believes, but he's trying to figure things out. When I figured out, I mean, like, trying to figure out how he can kind of hoodwink Santa. Like, he's like, I'm asking for an iPhone. I'm like, Santa's not bringing you an iPhone. And he's like, <laughs> well, it's not your decision. It's Santa's decision. Oh. So, so he's like, and he got real indignant about it. He's like, you don't wow. get to make this call, Dad. This is on Santa. I'm like, well, wow, I he got- and I oh, I told him I said I emailed Santa, and he said that he does not give six year olds iPhones, and that worked. He was like, <laughs> yeah. he was like, ah, oh, Dad outsmarted me again. And then I put him to bed on Christmas Eve, and like an amateur, I immediately went downstairs and ate the cookies, mm-hmm. right? And he got up and ran and go went check. He's like, the cookies are gone. The cookies are gone. And I hadn't put out the presents yet because I'm a freaking amateur. <laughs> and I was like, shit, shit, bed, go to bed, go to bed. Santa's not coming if you don't come if you don't go to bed. But he had a, he had a good time. That's what I haven't gotten a Christmas gift in years. You know, mm. I don't even care. I just like watching him on Christmas. Yeah, man. So we we do we have a similar tradition. We don't actually wrap and put the presents under the tree until Christmas Eve. And so we took we took our daughter to go see Santa a couple of times, and each time she said she wanted a teddy bear, which was good information for us. So we immediately went and got her like a thirty five inch teddy bear. Like we got the biggest one that was available on Amazon and uh, we got to put that under the tree. And um, the, I found this app on the iPhone called catch Santa in the action. And so I was, I actually was able to Photoshop Santa basically into like the picture of where the bear was at. And I actually put Santa in a, in a screenshot of our, um, our ring camera outside showing that Santa came in to which my daughter was not my, my, 
uh, it worked with my daughter. It completely fooled her. She actually went, Santa was here. I got the teddy bear, and I had the picture of Santa putting the teddy bear there, which was just me manipulating it on my phone. And uh, my my wife did think that that was a little overstepping the manipulation technique. She goes, when 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 Izzy finds out that the that the, you did all this, she's not going to be happy with this. It's like maybe so, but it's going to be a lot of fun until then because she actually fully one hundred percent believes that Santa came, gave her that teddy bear, and that Santa was in the house. That's awesome. Yeah. Can I? I have Twitter open as we're doing the show, and some news just okay. broke. Can I? Can I yeah. drop this on you? you me, hold, hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Don't don't ruin it. Breaking news. Go ahead, JD. I have no idea what you're about to say. I don't have Twitter open. So FTR lost the AAA belts tonight to Dragon Lee and Drillistico. And Dragon yeah. Lee on the show announced he has signed with WWE. Are you shitting me? No, I swear to God. So, oh my God, current AAA because like I'm not sure if Drillistico is signed to AEW, but he's oh, like he's been in the pictures and stuff with the the LFI, whatever the Los Angeles faction is. Well, and he he's been working the tapings and stuff lately he too. Has been, but Dragon Lee has not. So. The current AAA tag team champs is an AEW guy and a WWE guy who are brothers. Wrestling is nuts, man. I freaking it's, love it. That's that's freaking wild. And it's uh and it's you know, and I have um later for the Patreon, we're actually gonna get into the FTR stuff, but it's just it's one more step towards FTR leaving AEW, which I think all signs are pointing towards that's absolutely hundred percent going to happen come this summer. You think so? I mean, like the dude I, I think so. You just spent an entire podcast pitching a dream scenario to Tony Khan. Like it didn't involve him. Oh, I think it does involve him because they need uh, his punk needs a partner. Oh, so I think he was just talking about, yeah, I guess, I guess punk needs a partner, but that's not, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think that I, I think that I agree with him that they should all do business, but I don't think it's going to happen that punk's coming back to AEW. I think that that ship has sailed. Everybody's moving on from that situation. Um, and yeah, it is a dream scenario, but look, FTR, um, and, and we'll get into the impact your review. That's what this podcast is about. But FTR, what they, they just lost the ring of honor titles. They lost to the fucking ass boys last week. They lost the AAA titles. They're very likely to lose the New Japan titles um, at Wrestle Kingdom uh, this coming up week. I think they're gone. Why do you start a podcast with to quit it three months later? Why do you spend the money and the dude's trying to figure out all his equipment and stuff like that if the plan is just to bounce? Why? I mean, like, and this well, is the funny part too. I mean, is we, we Regal this, started a podcast too, and bounced. Regal wasn't planning Regal's on podcast. He is taking over Regal's podcast, but yeah. Regal's situation is a little bit, you know, a little different. You know, yeah. Um, I'm not sold. I know a lot of people are sold in this. I I think this is all more that they're probably going to stay. You know, I, I don't. don't I don't. I I think that we are like we all, we did the same thing with Tasha right when she started losing we're like up oh, she's gone everyone assumes that like when people lose matches that means they're they're out and they had all these belts for the better part of a year so mm-hmm. I think the story they're telling is they're going to be down and come back and win the AEW belts that seems to me to be where things are and if they're out they're out that's fine you know wrestling moving and wrestling is great I I think that everyone is way overplaying this to be honest with you I don't think it's a lock that they're gone. 
I, you know, I, you could, you could be right. I, I think that they're leaving and I don't think it's a lock that they immediately join WWE. Now I know that we have, um, I don't know if you saw my Twitter exchange, um, with the, with the guy, with our friend, yeah, um, with our friend. And he is of, he has said basically that Dax has already reached out to people within WWE trying and, and he should, if his contract's coming yeah. due, he should really grease those wheels, but the contract's coming up in May. Um, they seem to be, uh, you know, Dax is a, a bit of a malcontent. I, I think, I think that they're gone and, and maybe, maybe it is absolutely true. Unless WWE comes strong with a blow away offer that they can't refuse. I think that they will absolutely probably work Indies probably for the rest of that year and then go to WWE. Uh, why, why do you start a podcast and spend the money on the equipment? JD, my microphone cost me a hundred dollars. And that's yeah. all that I've paid for with the equipment. Conrad Thompson's taking care of everything else for him. All he has to do, all he probably had to do is buy a microphone. Honestly, I'll do you one better. I bet Conrad Thompson just mailed him a microphone and There's mailed him headphones and just started the podcast. I, I, I don't think he's all that worried about it. It's a little bit something for him to do and a little bit of extra money in his pocket and while he waits to go back to WWE. I don't think so. I don't think that they are as locked to go away as they think they are. And I don't know if there's locked to come to W. I don't know if they're as big a, a shoe in to return to WWE as, the, as everyone thinks they are like with, with triple H. Awesome. Yes. That's his booking crutches. He just brings in new guys. Can't do nothing with them when you get them. But we just keep bringing in new guys, you know, sounds um, familiar, right? <laughs> sounds like a criticism the, of a different guy. The more uh, things change, <laughs> the more they stay the same. It's so funny yeah. Um, yeah. because to be fair, wrestling fans love debuts and returns. I don't know what they again. Nobody knows what to do once people are there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I don't. I think that we'll, we'll just wrestle indies for years. The biggest bunch of bullshit, more like <laughs> carnyism I've ever heard in my entire life. So yeah, well, they're, they're clearly working both sides with that comment, saying we, as we don't well they should. That's yeah. what they we have should to sign do. with either company. Yeah. Yes. I yeah, we, I, we, I we dig should. it. I'm a big. I know, and we're we're gonna talk more about FTR on the Patreon. But uh, I'm I'm a big fan of theirs, and I just you know I hope they make as much money as possible while oh, staying yeah. healthy. But yeah. um, all right. Well, hey guys, we are gonna get into the show. So this so um, Impact they much like Raw this week kind of took the week off, which Impact tends to do this time of year. They're doing their year in review show. So by the time you're listening to this, you've probably already watched it. Um, so we decided we're just going to do our year in review show um, where we're going to recap a lot of the biggest um, news stories, the best matches. We're not going to do best match of the year and and all that stuff because Impact's doing that. And I think that, um, you know, they have probably a lot more people voting than who would have voted on our stuff. So um, uh, we just decided that, hey, we're just going to cover kind of like what Josh Nason did with this podcast where we're going to keep it Impact focused and just uh, talk about all the biggest news stories, the biggest matches of the year. Um, but where I want to start it off with is uh, JD. Uh, this this question was asked of me whenever I was on Fight Game with Garrett Gonzalez last week. He asked me what my favorite moment of the year and what my least favorite moment of the year was, and I gave my answer. What say you, JD? What was your favorite and least favorite moments of the year for Impact Wrestling? The Chicago show. I believe it was Emergence was the name of the show. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had such a great time at the, at that taping and that show. It was so much fun. It was um, it was my first uh, non AEW show post pandemic, excluding the AEW. That's pure indie show. Right. But I had such a good time in that 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 Cicero Stadium is such a great environment to watch pro wrestling. I just 
top to bottom, I had just the best time as a wrestling fan at that show. So all all together, like that me and Yim, uh, um, jo- uh, uh, Jordan match was fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love watching Josh and, uh, and uh, Alex Shelley. Like it was, it was so much fun. I just had a blast. Good. And what about your least favorite match? Bully not fucking match, Ray. Least- at least favorite moment of the year. Sorry. Bully Ray. <laughs> Bully freaking Ray in the year of our Lord 2022. Everything about it, it sucks ass. What's funny is we, we had different favorite moments of the year, which yours is a bit more personal because you got to go to yep. the event. Mm-hmm. So our, our favorites were different, but our least favorite were the same. Bully Ray. Um, not, not Bully Ray returning, but Bully Ray coming back and being the focal point of the show. Um, that was my least favorite moment of the year. But my favorite moment of the year um, was Josh Alexander beating Moose at Rebellion. I thought that was kind of that that was the kickoff of Josh's uh, incredible title run. And uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But it springboarded him. It kind of cemented him as as uh, the top guy here in Impact. So let's go ahead and talk about his year. So I went on cage match and they actually averaged his cage match ratings for the year. Um, and it's on a 10 point scale. Josh Alexander sitting for 2022 is at a 9.08 for the year on cage match, which is just, I mean, I, I don't know how that stacks up to everybody else, but that's pretty damn good because um, cage match, it isn't like a Dave Meltzer where it's just Dave's ratings. Like he gives this one person's opinion on, on a match. This is actually like hundreds and hundreds of people voting on each match um, all throughout the year. And Josh is at 9.08, which is incredible. Josh might be the best worker champion we've had since AJ Styles. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. You know, yeah. just I as mean, far he's, as he's, the pure pure worker goes, you know. Yeah, yeah, pure worker. Not, not obviously not a bigger star than guys like Angle. I didn't and say star. Folks, but no, I no, I, I'm, I'm. Yeah, not obviously not not a star, but as far as pure in ring worker, mm-hmm. absolutely, I think Josh is right up there uh, with AJ with the best of them. And, and when this title rate is over, he might, it might go down as probably the best rated title rate yeah. in the history of impact wrestling impact TNA. Um, he was, so he won the title in, uh, in April, but before that he actually had a hell of a match at hard to kill and uh, at hard to kill against Jonah. He started off the year pretty hot there. Uh, he takes off for a little bit. He comes back, he signs his contract. He's on, uh, he's on with Moose in April at, uh, at rebellion, man. And um, that was my favorite moment of the year. Um, and then he goes from there. He actually has big defenses against Ishii, Shelly, which you were at, Joe Doring, Kazarian, and Speedball. And then he also made a vintage slam aversary versus Eric Young and made a vintage bound for glory versus Eddie Edwards, man. So what are your overall thoughts on Josh Alexander's incredible year? The late Eric Young. Yes. Respect the, respect the dead, sir. This is an impact podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, this is the best impact title reign you see the thing about AJ is I don't think AJ ever had that great reign. AJ always felt like he was just having a title reign in the middle of somebody else's time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really ever feel like AJ got to be the centerpiece of this company the way he should have been. And it yeah. felt like when he finally got to be, it was at the end, you know? Um, so in my opinion, this is probably the best baby face. Yeah. I'm going to say, I, I think it's probably the best pure baby face championship reign as like the guy being the central focus in this company and maybe ever. Yeah. No, I I don't, I don't think that's out of school there. I I think that I would agree with you. Um, 
You know, because you had some great reign, like uh, Kurt Angle had some really good title reigns. I know Christian had a really good title reign, but their big main event matches were always marred by interference, interference, and angle after angle after overbooking. Angle, right? Like, yeah, they over they overbooked a lot of those things. That doesn't mean a lot of the matches weren't good; they were, but they aren't what they could have been. And Josh right. just did other other than the overbooking. I think in the Slam of Virtue match, which was by design, not to you know pardon the pun, he was wrestling uh, Eric Young, but it was it was kind of a tribute to TNA past. And it works because they didn't do it all that often with mm-hmm. all the interferences and all the gaga. So I, I, I would say that, yeah, this is the best pure title reign in Impact history, without a doubt. And I'll say definitely, too, is a lot of those guys, I think a lot of their long reigns came as heels. Cause I think this this promotion yeah. definitely still has its DNA in, in WCW and Southern-based promotions where typically you have the strong heel on top. right? And I think this promotion's really been that way for a good a good chunk of its existence. And I think that Josh mm-hmm. is, I don't know, it's been different. It's felt different, you know? Yeah. And it's, um, it's been appreciative as, but for me as a fan, to be honest with you. What was your, okay. So Shelly aside, take the Shelly match um, aside. What was your favorite uh, match from Josh this year? Um, and I'll, and I'll run them down again. You got Jonah at hard to kill moose at rebellion. Um, you had Ishii, um, not Shelly. So, uh, Joe Doring, of course, at Against All Odds. Frankie Kazarian at Overdrive. Speedball at On on Impact. Plus, you got Eric Young and uh, Eddie Edwards at Bound for Glory. What was your favorite title match from the year? Doring, because like that was the one I crapped on. Like the whole yeah. time they had announced it, I was like, "This isn't going to work." Joe Doring isn't the guy anymore that he was ten years ago, and they blew me away. Right, and mm. it was it, it. It might be Joe Doring's last great match. Right. Yes. Because it was yeah. just after that that he got sick again. And um, it was like for one glorious night, Joe Doring, I felt like an American, you know, North American, I should say, audience really got to see what Joe Doring was at his peak when he was in all Japan. So for me, it was like, yeah, there's that guy. He is still mm-hmm. there. And it's sad where it's at now, but he's still fighting like a tiger. But for me, that was like, that's, I think that matches the epitome too. Cause like we talk about Josh being a worker. Like I really think he, he really brought the best out of Joe Doring in that. That's my opinion. Yeah. That's my, I'll, I'll yeah. go with that. Joe Doring. Yeah. And you know, my, I think my favorite moment was the moose just cause that really cemented Josh. But I think my favorite match of the year from Josh and people are going to be surprised that I'm not going to pick the speedball match and I can't just cause the audience was so dead for it. And it was, it was an amazing match. Don't get me wrong. I liked the match with Eddie Edwards at bound for glory. I, I thought that was just an incredible match. I just I just fucking loved it. Um, and it really I, I think he brought the best out of Eddie Edwards. He brought an Eddie Edwards that we had not seen in a very long time because Eddie had been doing some of the more gimmicky type stuff forever. And uh, he, I think we saw a little bit of the Noah Eddie that we had been missing forever. I agree. Can I give you a hot take? Yeah, I think the speedball match is overrated. I you know what I I don't I don't hate that take I I really don't um I I really a- enjoyed the match don't get me wrong and I like the way that they did it but yeah, yeah the the audience just killed it for me I thought it, it was part part of it too a big part of wrestling is the crowd right and yeah. the crowd was not into it I think part of it's because there was again I can't say there was no stakes it was a world title match but it was kind of out of nowhere and I think mm-hmm. that <sighs> speedball's good don't get me wrong. But I think people go a little crazy for him, and I just think he's kind of there, right? Yeah. I just I have a real hard time connecting to Speedball as a per, as a character, a person. Like I just I find nothing interesting about him. Like I can respect the yeah. man's talent. I can respect the man's mm-hmm. talent. I can't tell you he's not a good wrestler. I just I don't get into his matches like everybody else does. I, I just, absolutely love. I just I love his matches. I love his matches, 
but again, you're right. There's not much interesting about Speedball the person, right? Or Speedball the What's character. a Speedball? Exactly. Like, is speedball he a dealer? Well, Speedball is a Marvel Comics character that has all these little, like, balls that – literal balls that float around him, oh, okay. right? I, I don't – so I hear that, and I think of the Speedball from the New Warriors. I'm like, what is a Speedball? Like, you're, you have a better grasp on him. You always say that he's like George St. Pierre. Right. Yeah. He should be like the George St. Pierre of impact. And I'm like, I'm on board with that. But that's just not what they do with him. What they do yeah. with him is they put him out there and he just eats up time and matches and they're good quality matches. But as far as a character goes, there's nothing there with Speedball. And he's been mm -hmm. here for a while now. And like, I know he's I know he's um, probably English. Is, I think second language guy. I think he believes yeah. French Canadian. So there's not a lot you can do with him promo wise. But there's stuff you can do with characters, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of stuff like Kazuchika Okada speaks Japanese. I've never heard the man speak any English. And I got his, he's got a character, right? Yeah. Like I know what, I know what the Rainmaker is. When it comes to speedball, Mike Bailey, he's a dude that does a moonsault with a knee stomp, you know? And I'm like, and that's it. So, I mean, mm -hmm. like, again, Josh had a great match with him, but the crowd was dead. <laughs> and like, it was just, at no point did I was I under the impression that Speedball was going to be the champion. For me, it just felt like an, a long exercise. Eddie Edwards is a character, right? Too yeah. much of a character sometimes. Um, but I thought there was I thought there were various points in the match I thought they could be changing the title. But I really did. Yeah, yeah, and um, and because you know the honor and more thing, and we'll we'll get into that in a little bit was kind of up in the air. So it's like um, I absolutely could have saw eddie edwards take the title there and um and i honestly i wouldn't have been mad if he did no me neither um you know because it would have been a kind of a change to have a heel on top but so a um so impact they really did start off hot in 2022 did. and i i think the the moment where i'm like okay the tide is shifting not in the wrestling landscape but in the landscape of impact right they weren't about to take over that number two spot or anything that's not what i'm saying when i say the tide was shifting but we felt like there was a tide shifting within the company and the first moment i thought of that was when they announced that um that uh, tom hannafin had replaced matt striker on commentary and that's what I was like, oh shit! And this was like literally the day before Hard to Kill. Um, they announced that hey, we're 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 shifting over here, and Tom Hannafin and D'Lo Brown, um, and then he was he eventually gets replaced. But Tom Hannafin taking over for Matt Striker, man. So Tom Hannafin entering the company. What are your thoughts on him? And was that a, a big moment to you, the same way that it was for me? Yeah, I think Tom Hannafin's been a uh, revelation in this company, right? Um, I did not – I remember when I when they said I was like, Phillips? They brought in Tom Phillips, right? Yeah. And then he's been fantastic. Like, he has really elevated this company. Like, mm -hmm. good commentary elevates pro wrestling. And last year when we started the show, we would joke about how god-awful the commentary was all the time, you know? Yeah. And this has been a completely different year as far as commentary mm -hmm. goes. And Hannafin's a, Hannafin is the guy. Right. Yeah. He's really found his voice. Right. He's himself. Like he's not just the the guy that WWE makes say the buzzwords and do the it's banks time and stuff like that, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I just made something up. Um, is that what they say for her? I don't even know. Bus time. Well, for I, don't, I, have a, I don't know. I'm just making shit up. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just um I think that Hannafin has, has been great. And I think that him with uh I can never remember his name. I always want to call him Aiden English. But I can never what Raywalt, right? Raywalt, Matt Raywalt. Yeah. They've been great. They've been great together. They're a fantastic team. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're yeah they're they're a great team, and I really, um, you know, because Josh Matthews and then of course Matt Stryker all last year, I think, just they really were just not very good at all, and it was they were a constant barrier for people to watch Impact, and that was one of the things like why can't you get into Impact? It's like because I hate the commentary, um, and that was and that was one of one of several excuses they would come up with, but that was usually one of the top excuses. But you know, Hannafin has been a total pro. He, he's great. And it just goes to show you just how important it is to have a really good commentary team uh, to the show. And it, it adds to the overall enjoyment. I thought that it was a home run hire. Honestly, they can't pay the guy enough. And I hope they, uh, they have him for years and years to come because having him as the face and the voice of the company, I think is a great idea. Um, Go ahead. Do you remember? Do you remember what uh, Black Saturday, the, the apocryphal lore behind Black Saturday? People would call TBS. And they didn't say we want our Georgia Championship wrestling nope. back. They said we want our Gordon Soley wrestling back. Y- yes. You know, um, and I'm not saying Tom Hannafin is Gordon Soley, but I'm saying he can have that connection with this company because yeah, people, and- you have to have that relationship with the commentator, with the lead commentator. You have to have that familial trust, and I think that uh, mm-hmm. I think they're getting there with Hannafin, quite honestly. Yeah, I think I think they're getting there with him, and uh, kind of you know the same with uh, Memphis with Lance Russell, right? When, yeah, yeah, Lance Russell. Great when, when Lawler and Jarrett split off, right, and uh, mm-hmm. they went to another network. The first thing they did was bring over Lance Russell because they yep. knew if they had Lance Russell, then the audience would follow. Um, and you had Lance Russell and Jerry Lawler, and here with Impact, it's kind of like you have Tom Hannafin and you have Josh Alexander, right? Those are the two faces mm-hmm. of the company right now, and uh, they got that's a, a good one to come. And then I would add. If she sticks around for the long term, I would add Jordan Grace to that too. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll see what twenty twenty three holds for her. Um, but the year started off hot, and I think one another tide that really turned for the company is that they really did focus on their pay per views and their big events and having good matches and sending the the people home happy. Literally, they they had. 11 major shows this year, four pay-per-views, and literally every single one of them had a positive rating coming out of it. Not not a single one of them was reviewed badly. I think I, I reviewed every single one of them, except for I did not do the December one where they went back to IPWF. I just don't count that. That's not even on my radar. I'm too I'm above that. <laughs> but um, literally all of them. And that started with Hard to Kill in January, where they was just match after match after match, and it was one of the highest rated um, impact pay-per-views of all time. And then they just continued that trend, and I don't think they ever let anybody down. And I think they have got themselves uh, to a point where you know, the consumer confidence is a little bit higher now than it once was. Um, and we might see that fall off a little bit in 2023. But in 2022, I never once regretted the fact that I was buying a pay-per-view or that I was spending my money on on uh, on their YouTube insiders to watch this monthly specials. Mike, I'm notoriously cheap. You know that, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, I'm, I'm, I can be rather... I can be rather tight with my money. And oftentimes, I'll spend my... Like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. <sighs> Impact had great live shows this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We really, we really embraced being a work rate promotion. I think for mm-hmm. the first time, they really just steered into being we're a work rate company now. And it's yeah. made for really great shows. Like there wasn't a bad show, Bully Way, Bully Ray, notwithstanding, this year. Really wasn't. Really, yeah. 
really wasn't. And a part of that is because they actually, not only with the good, the great talent they already have in the roster, but they uh, they actually brought in a lot of the Ring of Honor talent, who m- most of whom have already left. But then they really strengthened their partnership with uh, with New Japan. So New Japan returned to Access this year, which was a big story. Um, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, they joined the Bullet Club. And then, of course, we got to see Jay White have some matches. G.O.D. was on the show. Juice Robinson, Ishii, Uemura, and Kushida, they all worked uh, several events um, and uh, and big time matches. Ishii actually challenged for the title. Um, so, uh, what'd you think of New Japan's involvement with the with the uh, with Impact this year? New Japan needed Impact because New Japan has not been colder, right? Yeah. The the pandemic has really decimated New Japan. New Japan needs to make a big statement next week, right? They, do. they really need to. They really leaned into their U.S. partners this year between Impact and AEW, and I think it's really helped breathe some life into the company. Right. And I think that Mm -hmm. uh, I think that they need it. I think that they need they need the help. They're not as strong. They're not in a strong position as they were in, like, say, 2017, 2018. They need some help. Right. And I think that um, I think they could utilize impact a little bit more. Like we talked about this months ago about Josh possibly going to the G1. And I said they won't do it because I don't think they value Josh the way we do. I think they need to fix that attitude in 2023 i think they need to realize that work rate super important in japan and you're not going to get better matches anybody than josh alexander gives matches like Mm -hmm. the fact that we haven't seen josh alexander versus kazuchika okada's crime against nature right yeah needs that needs to be fixed right and i think that that's something that impact can help them with and quite frankly impact is uh as we have discussed is very memphisy right and we saw that a lot this year as in like you know those turnstile doors keep coming with talent they come in they come Mm -hmm. out and you need guys to come in, and you is doing a great job of getting over handsome devil that he is. Uh, <laughs> I need to keep bringing he's handsome in, and you need to keep bringing in you need to keep bringing in new guys. So this new Japan partnership is great for both companies. I really think so. Yeah, and then of course we saw Honor No More. They came in hot and heavy in uh, January, and then they kind of tailed off, and then they peaked again with OGK winning the tag team titles, and then they really they really entered or they ended the year on a whimper, and then they ended up going to uh, a well, some of them went to AEW. Vincent has been rumored to be in WWE. Um, PCO is still with Impact, although I think he did get. It was attempted murder from Eddie Edwards, who tried to kill him and bury him in the desert. But we talk about being buried. PCO was actually buried. Yeah, PCO actually got buried. Um, But so it, yeah. But I thought Honor Amore was one of the. They were hot for a little bit, man, and then they just tailed off and never really could get their footing back. Even though that match with Eddie Edwards and Josh Alexander Belfour was awesome, and OGK had the title reign, it just never really seemed to click. I think they waited too long to pull yeah. the trigger really on Honor No More. They should have had Honor No More come in guns blazing, NWO style, take over the promotion for a year. I really think that, that was a mistake because by the time they were – what really hurt Honor No More was Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it was like, oh, well, your company's fine now. They, they just bought them. You don't <laughs> have to be yeah. vagabonds. You just go back to work for their guy, and some of them did. So it really kind of – it kind of hurt them. I really think that we should have just gone with it. I think that they should have just been, they didn't have to have the world title, but I mean, every other title should have been monopolized by, by, I don't know more earlier in the year. Cause it was a hot story. Like beginning of the year, I don't know more was one of the most, and I've said it on this show was one of the best things going in pro wrestling at the beginning of 2022. And I think they just waited too long. You know, I think yeah. we, we missed, we missed the moment with them. I th- I think we did too. And that was, a, that was a shame. Um, but we, <laughs> 
one group, one team that we didn't really miss the moment on, we just didn't have them for very long, was the Briscoes. You know, Ring of Honor goes out of business, and then um, next thing you know, they they're, it seems like they're going to go sign with Ring of Honor, and it uh, turns out Warner Brothers basically put the kibosh on that because of uh, some past indiscretions, the tweets from uh, from the Briscoes. So they end up uh, joining with Impact. They beat, uh, they get the tag team titles, and they're only around for a couple months. They lose them at Slammiversary, and the next thing you know, they're gone. They're back in Ring of Honor. Um, and looks like they're full, full blown with Ring of Honor guys now. But uh, it sure was fun to have the Briscoes here, and it was really fun calling or not calling, but covering their their work here in Impact. Yeah, man, the Briscoes was a. What's going to take attention is that three match series with FTR, right? Yeah, it was it was so damn good. But the cup of coffee they had in Impact helped them, right? Helped helped yeah. keep the Briscoes viable. Um, they're going to be in a weird place for a while. Mm-hmm. the briscoes so having them here helped help and i think it helped to interest because i think a lot of the people we talk to a lot are not necessarily ring of honor fans and we're unfamiliar with large chunks of jay and mark briscoe's work so having them mm-hmm. come here to impact i think did expose them to a different audience because they've been roh through and through f- f- from basically literally day one so yeah it was good it was good for them to get out of their comfort zone a little bit come to a new place and show off that they probably are the best tag team in the world i know it's cool mm-hmm. to say ftr is but the truth of the matter is it's mark and jay briscoe yeah, I, I think that it could be FTR. I think it could be the Briscoes, the Young Bucks, obviously, are in that conversation. Sure. And here, here at Impact, you know what? I'm uh, Motor City Machine Guns ain't no slouches either. Um, no sir. So yeah, um, Mickey James had a crazy year. She actually entered or began the year. Not only did she enter the Royal Rumble with WWE as the Knockouts Champion, they called her the Knockouts Champion. She came to Hardcore Country, but she also made evented Hard to Kill and uh, successfully defended her title against uh, Deanna Perrazzo. Um, and then she also started her last rodeo, man. But it's been kind of a, a crazy year. She's been in and out of the company, but she seems like she's full back into it. And uh, she's on her retirement tour, kind of. Maybe right. retirement tour. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens at Art to Kill coming up. But uh, well, kind of a cool one-year story arc with Mickey James. I don't know if it's a one-year story arc. It's so much interesting, just an interesting year from her because it doesn't yeah. seem to be like a trajectory. Right, she was here and then she was gone. Now she's back. Um, boy, that uh, remember we remember a year ago when we were talking about people were convinced we were gonna have an AEW, uh, 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 an Impact WWE <laughs> partnership, and people were like, "Well, Roman Reigns and Moose, that would be great. That could happen." Yeah. Like, and we tried to tell people that you're dumb, and um, nobody listened. And then they said, "Yes, Mickey James is the Knockouts Champion," and then she was eliminated from the Royal Rumble, and Impact was never spoken about again because WWE doesn't like to play well with others. No. Look how much press they're giving Shinsuke Nakamura for wrestling in Noah this week. Has not been mentioned on their television. So not a single time. that being said, I thought Mickey had a really good year this year. Do you think she winds up winning this title on the last rodeo? I no, and I think she wins the title. I think she's turning heel, and Nick Aldis is going to help her. I'm I'm on record. You guys can put me on sure. record. That is my official prediction. I think that's going to happen because I she's too good to for her to retire right now. There's just oh, no I agree. Way. There's too there's a lot of money left on the table um for for her yeah, look look her singing career ain't never taken off sorry mickey it's just not happening i i think that uh, you need more time to wrestle hardcore country <laughs> uh sucks fucking terrible for the record um <laughs> uh yeah i agree um nick aldis needs a job yeah we've spoken about that at length on this podcast i i fantasy booked what i would like to see from them mm-hmm. with uh him challenging josh 
I agree with you. I think, and I think we're we're headed that way. And I think, quite frankly, a Mickey James heel run would help freshen up the knockouts division a little bit. It helped freshen her up a little bit because, I yeah, the, the matches have been fun, but I think the feuds where she's fighting other baby faces because they're friends and friends just want to wrestle each other and have good matches has been fucking boring. So I I'd like to see her. I, I cannot remember the last time she was a heel. I think maybe in WWE. I know she. I think she had like a small heel run when she was in TNA, but I don't remember when she was originally in WWE. She was a heel against Trish Stratus. But. Oh, that ruled that when she was the obsessed yeah. Trish fan. That was actually like from a really bad era of WWE television. That was actually yeah. a lot of fun, and she did really good in that role. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see Mickey have one last Mickey. And, I think Mickey and Nick. Boy, I never really said that like that before. It sounds weird. Can actually have a really interesting run together. As yeah. heels together, that would actually like, yeah, I think that'd be great as a power couple and yeah. something that they've it'd be freshen things up. They've never done that before here, so I I think that would be awesome. I and I've never seen yeah. Mickey just go full blown heel, so let's do it. Give me heel Mickey. Yeah, I'm I'm. Yeah. The more I think about this, the more I like it, Mike. I think it's a great idea there. Right. You know what? Tell you know. Let's let's email John Mew. Say, look, points well, for Mike. He has a good idea. He's listening. John, give him yeah, give the man points. <laughs> give me give me some credit, John. Come on, I had a good idea. Uh, who somebody that deserves a lot of credit is uh, Jordan Grace. Man, what a year she's nice had. Um, um, yeah, she has totally completely transformed her body to yeah. where she was always in pretty good shape, but now she's just completely shredded. Um, looks like a bodybuilder. Um, and is just having great match after great match. She actually ended up winning the uh, the knockouts championship at Slammiversary by winning the first ever Queen of the Mountain match. And she had some successful mm-hmm. reigns against what you saw in person, which against uh, Mia Yim. And then she also had match. two she had two really good matches against Masha Slamovich. I would say those are right up there with the the match of the year candidates. And uh, she also had a match against Max the Impaler that was also pretty damn good. So uh, Jordan Grace, man, awesome, awesome year from Jordan. And I hope she sticks around uh, when her contract expires late at uh, some point next year. Um, I, I think that she she could be somebody that this company builds their entire future around. Well, I mean, could she? Yes. Will she? I don't know anymore. Yeah, I don't. You know, it's it's hard to say. And we'll we'll get it into is. um we'll get into all the people that have left, but then all the people that have resigned, and um and their one side has bigger numbers than the other. I'll say that. And will will she stick around? Will the you know Jonathan Gresham signing here? Will will that help keep her around? I don't know. Will her OnlyFans type of material keep her away from going to WWE? I don't know. Is Chelsea is Green ex- just topped her. Chelsea Green just stopped hers and signed with WWE. I don't know. Well, I mean, like, the more I learn about, I didn't realize just how gratuitous some of Mandy Rose's stuff really was. Because <laughs> I'm not a pervert who hangs out on Only OnlyFans or whatever that site yeah. is. Like, I was like, like reading about some, I'm like, wow, she was doing that. No wonder they got rid of her. Um, so I can't see the two of them not going to WWE in a year. I can't. Yeah, I, I I think it's completely possible, man. And you know, one thing that we can say about Triple H is that he has more he's more open minded to smaller yeah. wrestlers and shorter mm-hmm. guys. And you know, Jonathan Gresham would be kind of on the shorter end of a lot of people that it uh that he has signed, but he's probably the same height as those some of those guys from the UK. Um like Tyler Bate guy and um, I don't know, man. Who, Gresham's pretty short. Pete Pete Dunn. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Gresham's Tyler Bate like- seems like he Tell the base like five, like five foot five. Yeah, yeah, he is. But he's he's a thick brother, though, man. He is that a thick is, five four. Yeah, you know, I agree with he, that. He is yoked. For sure. So yeah. 
we'll, we'll, we'll see how that all shapes out. Um, another cool story this year. We'll, we'll go, we'll do these ones really quick, but uh, Matt Cardona finally turned heel after a year of us pleading for the company to finally turn him heel. Um, he actually, he, he co-main events about, uh, or sorry, uh, Hard to kill against um, Moose and W. Morrissey in the main event there or in the co-main event. And then the very next month he turns heel. We finally got it. Him and Chelsea as heel, uh, heel comp- a couple. Unfortunately, injury derailed a lot of what he could do here. And then plus he's not really committed to the company, so they can't really get behind him. So Matt Cardona's had kind of a weird year, but a fun year. It's been interesting, like because if, if we had a GCW show, we could really talk about the last two years of the Cardona Sons and how – he really revitalized himself as one of the top names on the Indies. It's not the top name for a, for a hiccup on the independent yeah. scene. Um, if it sounds like he might be WWE bound or at least in a total divas esque role. Cause the way I'm reading this, it's almost almost like they're going to bring back that show with Chelsea and then he could just be the boyfriend character or husband. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. I do wish we could have done more with him. Because I yeah. don't think our impact audience really got to see the complete dork of a character. Great, I say this with all the love in the world because he is the dorkiest main event heel of all time, and he does such a great job of it. I really, really wish we could have gotten that here. And I get it. I get impact couldn't get behind him because of a commitment level, but we could have done that just you know, with guys coming out. We could have just done like a good um, like take Jonah for example. Like Jonah did two cups of coffee with here and then in New Japan where he got over, right? They put him, they had a good feud with the guy and then he was done. I feel like mm-hmm. we could have done that with Josh. And again, the injury probably derailed some stuff, but I feel like we could have done that and never got Yeah, it. I Yeah, I felt like we could have done it. And I felt like we, you know, if if he does end up going back to WWE, it's kind of a missed opportunity for Impact. And I know that it probably cost him a lot of money to make to for to have him make Impact a priority, but I think he would have been worth it. I think that the risk would the return on investment would have been there because the say one thing about Cardona is is if he's your guy, he's going to go above and beyond to produce for you, not only in the ring, but in social media, at the merch table. Um, go, He's going to go everywhere. He's going to use this podcast to promote you. If he's your guy, he's he's going to create storylines. You know what I mean? Like, he, And the he hustler. did that for David. He's a, he did that when he was a WWE. Mm-hmm. If they had nothing for him, he would create his own market, man. And that was uh, one thing that I could always admire him. Yes, sir. Please press the breaking breaking news button. Oh, gosh. Hold on. we got more breaking news. Breaking news. So, on the Wrestling Observer's Instagram page, AEW's Dax Harwood, and if you refer to him as FTR Bald, you're a dork, uh, makes plea for CM Punk, the elite, to find a way to make it work. And CM Punk responded. Duh. Duh. Yeah, there's a lot of money there. (laughs) Find a way to make it work. And CM Punk said, duh. So... So you're Maybe. saying there's a chance? Maybe. I'm telling you, I got a friend who, like, I got a friend at WWE who says Punk doesn't have a lot of friends in that locker room, so he might not have as many yeah. options as he thinks he does. So wrestling is interesting. Yeah. Since 2016, I think it's AJ Styles showing up in the Royal Rumble. Since that moment, pro wrestling continues to get more and more interesting every year. 
Yes, yes, it does. Um, hey, so a uh, couple quick hit topics, and then we're gonna call it a day on the free feed here. Um, I just wanted to make mention that America's Most Wanted Return. They actually had a match at, uh, against all odds. I forgot and, about that. That did happen well, this year. Yeah, Wildcat Chris Harris actually uh, looked great. I mean, he was a little hefty, but he still looked like he could go, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I did talk about. So I made a list of all the people that have left the company um, this year. We had the Good Brothers, Chelsea Good Brothers, Chelsea Green, Tennille, Madison Rain, who I completely forgot about, Mia Yim, Vincent, OGK, Maria, Eric Young, W. Morrissey, the Briscoes, and Jonah. Wow, that's fifteen all left. The, that that fifteen all left to either go to WWE or AEW. Jonah, there's an asterisk because he he actually went to New Japan first and then he went to WWE. And then of course we had Jake Something, Rohit Raju, and Madman Fulton. They left and they they stayed free agents. Um, but, but coming to the company was uh, Bully Ray. Um, Josh Alexander resigned. Okay, so Josh Alexander resigned. So we had Bully Ray, Josh Alexander, PCO, Speedball Bailey, Jonathan Gresham, Ace Austin, Chris Bay resigned, Tasha Steele's resigned, Rich Swan resigned, Joe Henry signed, and then John Schuyler signed. So that's what we had there. So it's a little bit it weighs a little bit over to the to the we're at a deficit still. Oh, yeah, and we'll, we'll take a look at what the forecast is like coming up in uh, 2023 on Patreon here in a couple of minutes. Um, and then also I just wanted to make mention of something really cool that not only did Ace Austin compete in the best of the Super Juniors for New Japan, but Ace and Bay cont- are competed in the Junior Tag League for New Japan, and they actually got to have their first uh, Japan run. So uh, congrats to them. Um, but hey guys, that's going to do it for us on the free feed. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if you're watching us on YouTube, head over to patreon.com slash fightgamemedia, where we are going to talk about what's the yet to come in 2023, major changes we'd like to see going forward, some top free agent targets. I have mine. I'm going to remove one because there's one that was on there that literally just breaking news signed with WWE. Uh, he was my number two top target, uh, which I will, we'll get into. Uh, we'll talk about uh, FTR. Uh, Lance Archer, Nakamura, all kinds of stuff coming up. So head over to patreon.com slash fight game media. Um, Patreon, stick around. <laughs>